I'm Blake Hargreaves. Welcome to Future Stops. You're hearing the enigmatic music of the late Iannis Xenakis, a widely performed 20th century composer whose 100th birthday was just celebrated in Paris with an exhibition and multiple concerts. Xenakis, whose experimental use of mathematics and architecture in composing music anticipated so much of the 21st century, and whose musical scores can be baffling to even the most seasoned interpreter, wrote a work for pipe organ that still to this day stretches the capabilities of the performer and the organ itself. Organist Suzanne Cuyala was chosen to perform this work at the recent celebrations in Paris. I'm actually, uh, my first instrument was uh, the classical accordion, and then I wanted to play piano, so then after a while it was possible to play piano. I always loved the organ and had some cassettes at that time, tapes, what was, yeah, tapes, right, <laughs> at that time, and uh, for example, Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach was my absolute favorite, <laughs> and of course, Johann Sebastian, but for some reason it was also also his son. And so I just um, told my mother one day, uh, I, I, I find the organ quite cool. I just go to the counter and ask if she can give you a lesson. So it started like that. <laughs> It was very fun, fun. I was 13 at the time. And did you play in church or um, pursue a more academic route with the organ? Now, at that time, I just played in the, in the church, of course. And, uh, but uh, later, I, um, I started the organ again. And finally, uh, I took uh, doctoral studies. And my thesis, or how to say, um, is, uh, was uh, organ as an instrument for contemporary music. And what was your reaction the first time you heard the music of Yanis Janakis? <laughs> Actually, I loved the piece, yeah. Uh, I got to know the score and the music already during my studies, but when I heard it the first time, uh, I was in Paris. It was in saint Eustache uh, Church when... Francesco Filide played it at uh, 2009, the year 2009, and it was, I think it was a great, uh, great performance. But I still was on the opinion I would never play that piece because I think it's not written very well. <laughs> Why do you feel that way about it? Um, if you see the score and you have, I mean, you have. It's not possible to play like the um, score indicates. You you would need like maybe four hands or five, and <laughs> so he didn't make uh, really a playable version. It's not idiomatic uh, for playing. It's it's a score um, like like only the music. And he, he, and in my opinion, it's a kind of hybrid. If you think um, of this work as a work for organ, he went into the registration. Yes, and one uh, organist also um, recorded uh, all stops for him. So he really thought about what is sounding at what place. I think the registration is also very, very interesting, and it's one of the parts 
which make uh, uh, this this uh, work so impressive. But I was first on the opinion when I heard and saw the score first time that I was actually a little bit angry for him that he didn't bother to to think about how is this possible to play on an organ. Later on, I spoke with my husband, who's also a composer, and he he said that maybe he was just waiting for for uh, new possibilities in the future. And one possibility can be what we did um, actually one year ago when I applied in Helsinki. We used, we pre-recorded some parts of of the score, which is not possible to to, to grab or how to say. And, uh, and then we played it at the same time then while, while I played the rest rest of it so this would be this this kind of possibility to to play it uh, so that everything is uh coming out like like it should be i know that some people also play an assistant but it really needs much time for for practicing and also um, i find it a little bit uh, difficult because the lines go sometimes from very low to very high. Then you should uh, probably cut the lines uh, first. The first player plays, and then the other player. So it it becomes a piece for two organists, actually. My opinion, not not a solo piece then anymore. This notoriously difficult piece by Xenakis continues to challenge countless performers around the world since its publication in 1974. Yunju Ju is an organist at Presbyterian Home and Kenilworth Union Church in Illinois. Her keen interest in this work led to her choosing it as the subject for her thesis studies. The purpose of my thesis to uh, explore Janakis' work, male only work, and actually this work is based on his, the use of his own compositional technique, which is called arborescence. And through this technique, he he kind of achieved the continuity and discontinuity, and also he uh, he kind of pushed the limits of the color and timbre coming from organ, and not only that, he kind of required the organist should be developed or go to furthermore his own technical ability. So Janakis Gmail is is kind of the one of his main concepts to achieve his continuity of sound and the exploitation of organ's capacities and the performance. And when was the piece written and how did it uh, reflect the trends of the times or, or, or uh, contradict those trends? Oh, actually, um, during those times, Janakis, I mean, the 1940 and 50. Uh, as you already know, that the serial composers' uh, works were very popular. But as far as I researched, Janakis didn't like those kind of music. And uh, I think probably this is because from he had not had a chance to get a kind of a trans- traditional music education. So he's tried to kind of set his foot into the music 
industry those days. So thanks to the Olivia Messiang or Nadia Boulanger's advices, he decided to take advantage of his own uh, own career things or already the education he ha had already gotten, like architecture or yeah, something he some philosophy that he really loved to. So this kind of that's the kind of a starting point for him to become a composer. Xenakis's post-secondary studies focused on architecture and engineering, but also included training in harmony and counterpoint. His participation in armed resistance in the Greek Civil War put his safety in jeopardy, and in 1947 he escaped to Paris, where he found a job in Le Corbusier's architectural studio, eventually becoming a lead collaborator on projects such as the Philips Pavilion at Expo 58. It is perhaps here that Xenakis's unique compositional technique, called arborescences, is born. So it's kind of a superimposed layers of the music voices. Uh, if you look at the, the score in Gmail by any chance, starting a simple melody line, but it developed, developed it kind of a different shape, different, uh, many, many voices, which led to kind of a superimposed texture. Also, Abrahamson's Janakis kind of tried to find some kind of shape theory. So Abrahamson means like a tree, like bushes or one, you, you can see, if you can see the tree, there is a one branch, but developing to different kind of, many, many different kind of ones. So that makes, kind of the bush-like shape. But Janakis' theory about his music said, uh, I really quote what he said, music has to be on its life. It has own rules. So music has own, it should be begin, begin and then end. Not kind of specific rule. Janakis did not provide it. But he did create... Um a lot of work using uh, architectural and mathematical techniques, which in some ways could be considered a set of rules, uh, but at the same time there was a lot of freedom in the way he was employing them. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. But there, uh, the arborescence is kind of the grapping notation. Yes, at some point you are right, but there is, there, then music, if you have any chance to read some kind of the conversation, the interview with the conversation, he said, the, the sound can be notated in graphic notation. Not the rule should be not, uh, the, the first thing is the sound. And then he can, uh, the kind of shape should be again rotated with on the graphic notation. So different argumentation or reduction, those things on the graph. This is why. I don't think he has main kind of a main main rule applied note by note or pitch by pitch. So what he's providing what he's providing is more like systems, maybe to to to, uh, to guide the creation of sound. Yeah, that multi-layered texture or voice is one of his main future, and then the other characteristic is that the kind of a sound. 
like a cluster sound, what we call in 20, the musical term is like a sound mat, you know. Those kind of arborescence can be resulted into sound mass, not different individual, not focusing on individual pitch or the rhythm, not the pattern, just whole, um, whole sound. Seeing also what composers write and what is their intention of it. And of course, also, uh, when you think about Xenakis, what is audible for the audience? So then um, I got the idea, even if I practice everything, of course, very accurate, very slowly and very, uh, I, I mean, I love it. Uh, sometimes I feel that it should be played a little bit slowly even, that, that you hear more what what is inside because it's really exciting. But the main thing, what I, th- what I think he wants is this energy and, and this growing. Always he starts from, from one line, it's like a tree, uh, like, like the tree is growing. Maybe it's even, even it goes very far uh, to the past. If you think uh, the imitation, um, of, for example, an Italian toccata or something, or a fugue, a Bach, or what. Um, you you start with one theme, and then it can be imitated or it can be instantly variated. But there is always coming another line, and and uh, joining another, and, and and another, and another, and then it grows somewhere like when it starts in the middle. Then you. It will go down and up and in all directions. The composer's willingness to challenge the performer in applying such unusual concepts to music is enough to keep any scholar's imagination busy exploring these synesthetic creative ideas with study, research, and theory. But what happens when you actually have to perform this work? How does a performer translate and interpret these ideas into actual sound? Yeah, I I tried just to think of what is the effect and what is what kind of is the idea of the piece. And as I just tried to describe how I feel about this, this uh, path with our, which are growing. And so I think in some places there, when there are five or six lines over each other, and very big registration. It's not anymore audible, really, every uh, note, maybe. So that was the reason why I thought, okay, I have two weeks, and what is what I can do is to perform the piece just myself, and I make a version. I wouldn't play it like this on a CD or to record it, but for for making clear what this piece is about um it i i made this version because i also i didn't have the possibility to work with electronics now um and i hope uh, at least when i saw the reaction of the, the audience i think they pretty much catched what this piece is about 
um, like like it has to be. And I think very pretty much there's also uh, these big clusters and this this changing of of sounds. What what makes this uh, piece so so interesting? And of course, then at the end, uh, what we'll call climax of 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 sounds. What what this organ, of course, really nicely did. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Maybe I, I even tell you that um, there is a problem with with these clusters. That's why I didn't even think about taking these these uh, planks. That um, when you play a cluster with putty with everything on, uh, you cannot even use every. Uh, you cannot press every key down. In, in Paris, it was much better. I could really use all both arms, and it, it sounded quite okay. But for example, at the end, I uh, took the first manual with my left hand, so the all arm, and then I went to the second manual with my right hand. Because it, I noticed that when I go to the first, it instantly it will uh, decrease. Even I had all stops on. It decreases the sound, so I tried to find the the maximum sound. Of course, a little bit. I I hope that it was audible. Uh, he likes to have because he wants all tre- tremolos and he wants all, um, for example, was celeste these undulation uh, stops which um, make the sound not so clear. You usually leave them out when you play something else. Never, never used in a tutti, in a plano. Uh, this, this kind of stops. But here he, he really wanted to have all, all this, and I think the idea was also to, to make this kind of undulating or, or how to say, a little bit disturbed. But it should be the loudest what the organ can do.
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, Gmiur, by Iannis Xenakis, performed by Yun Chu Chu for her thesis project recital on the Buzard organ at the Chapel of St. John the Divine in Champaign, Illinois, with organ assistant Michael Leonard. One of Xenakis's only works featuring organ, this piece has nevertheless captured the attention and interest of music lovers, and its reputation consistently grows. The New York Times describes the work as shoehorning every possible color and note the organ can produce into an involving episodic structure. Through its audacious innovation, it seems to represent the expansive quality of the organ itself. I think Xenakis kind of created the works that uh, challenge performers to go beyond their own technical capacities and then the limitation of their instrument. So Jedakis application kind of a mathematics place. Actually, this is not the exact mathematical approach, but it's kind of his own philosophy of composition will kind of uh, lead achieve the continuity of this organ, just as he did uh, in his other orchestral works. So he just composed only only one organ music based on his arborescence. This, uh, yeah, in other words, is continuous continuity approach. But he applied the other instruments like a piano or harpsichords and then the other orchestra. I really admire that he extended the possibilities, the organ instrument and then performers. I find it very important because it's important that composers like Senakis write for the organ. I cannot say who has, which composer has, has maybe uh, taken influences from Senakis. I mean, what is very important is that it's quite, it's from 74. So when we think about the uh, avant-garde organ music of the 60s, and then it comes quite uh, fast after them. But actually, when you think about uh, the elements of this piece, clusters we had before, uh, also this complexity. I don't know how um, well-known Torapi is, but if you think of his work, his symphonies for organ, which actually the first one, uh, they are from the 20s and 30s uh, of the last century, but the first first performance of the first one, it's two hours, and really it's something like like Senagis, uh, was played by Kevin Boyer in 83. And actually the second one, which is something like eight hours, uh, was perf- first, the premiere of it was uh, in 2010. Um, so I think his, his significance is, is more that he really did this kind of uh, piece um, but of course, he also stood a little bit in in his way uh, that it was written like this that it's not possible to play. So maybe it, it was also not performed so many times. Xenakis's musical studies took place concurrently with a fascinating life story. 
beginning at the National Technical University in Athens, World War II complicated these studies. Xenakis joined the National Liberation Front, and after Axis powers departed, his participation in resistance to the British-supported monarchy in the Greek Civil War led to his involvement in armed conflict which left him blinded in one eye from an explosion. He graduated in 1947 with a degree in civil engineering, and his subsequent departure to France to escape possible prison or death at the hands of the Greek government left him with feelings of guilt which he said motivated him to devote his life to music to, quote, regain the right to live. He was sentenced to death in absentia. While listening to the piece, this conflict and his life purpose which came out of it seemed to be reflected in Gmiur, and while he breaks with cliches and so much of pipe organ tradition, these themes are fitting for an instrument which has supported so much contemplation about the largest questions of life. The enigmatic qualities of this work invoke mystical interpretations, like the fact that it was published in 74 while his exile was in 47. The year Gmur was published is the year the Greek junta finally fell and Xenakis returned to his homeland. We'd like to thank Yun Chu and Suzanne Kuyala for joining us today. We'd love it if you would join us too on social media at Future Stops and Future Stops Podcast, where you can bring your voice to the conversation. We're also pleased to announce the launch of our Patreon account, where you can make a contribution to the production of this podcast to keep us going. Visit patreon.com slash futurestops to sign up. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, produced by Andrew O'Connor with Sanjay Parker as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.